Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the last the last podcast of the Euros, we got some Copa stuff to talk about too. So you let me know where you want to start. Um, I mean, we, we can just maybe just, just do the whole Copa thing and then get us to the roundup of the Euros, man. Let's go. You kick us off, man. He did his thing, man. Did Somebody, he? I think. I, I mean, he won, but did he do his thing in the final anyway? Like, no, you know. he didn't. <laughs> he, he he did his thing at the tournament, but like. Someone sent me a, a stat sheet. Um, so it showed, oh. <laughs> like, you know, so it was comparing, like, um, Copa America and Euros of how the players performed in both of those things. So obviously in the Euros, you see most goals, Sheik Cristiano, most chances created, Verratti. Um, so I think, yeah, most key passes, Verratti, most chances created, De Bruyne, blah, blah. They look at Copa America. Key passes, chances, free kicks, goals, assists, all all messy. It's like damn. Like the guy literally led in pretty much every single every single offensive stats that he can possibly have at the Cup America. So my thing is that even if he didn't perform at in the final, he did his I mean, he he over he just over overperformed. Yeah. In getting him to, to that to that final, you know. And I think, man, and also it's, it just goes back to, basically, Messi couldn't give a damn. Like, if you say, oh, well, you know, if only has scored that chance, shows that you're not really made, made for the big game. Messi's like, man, fuck you. I have gotten the one trophy I've always wanted, which is this freaking um, trophy with Argentina, something that has been on my back for the whole time. Like, the first trophy since 93. So you know, it's 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 a worthwhile dub, man. You know, you know, a lot of the people who listen to this podcast, this is like the first time Argentina's won anything in their lifetime. Yeah, and th- this is the first time Argentina's won something in my consciousness of note. Obviously, you know, the Olympic gold medal or whatever in mm. two thousand eight. When was that? You would know. They beat you guys. Must have been two thousand. I think it was probably eight. I think it's always it Must have been. I think that final Di Maria chipped the keeper <laughs> and won the trophy. So it's like yeah, a, yeah, yeah, a, yeah, weird, yeah. a final is a final is about winning. I don't care necessarily what you do in the final as long as your team wins. So just get it done. 
my thing is that like there is the really the really special players mm-hmm. do something in that final. That's why Maradona's key pass in '86, Ronaldo scoring both goals in that Copa America final, Ronaldo scoring both goals in that World Cup final. You know, Zidane scoring the two goals in '98. Like the really special players. Of course, they have special tournaments, but then they they save their best for the biggest occasion. Yeah. Uh, what does that really that helps to, to define them? So that's this this, was, it, that's it what was, puts Ronaldo and Maradona and sets them apart from the the rest of the pack and Pele, of course. So yes, yes, without without question, it, it was a legacy game. You had to win yeah. it. Brazil. It's just Neymar and some dudes. Everton, Richarlison, Fred. It's, 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 it's the worst Brazil team I've ever seen. Like I thought that the 2010 team was the worst, but at least the 2010 team had Luis Fabiano. And this is what I've always said. Every Brazil team has had a striker mm. that is considered one of the best players in the world. So from Pele to Romario to Ronaldo, they've been... And even if you go to 82, Socrates is still better than freaking... Jesus or Richarlison. Luis Fabiano is way better than Jesus and Ray Richarlison. So the issue with Brazil is Neymar is doing all this work and so forth. But then people then add in and say, hey, say all you want. May have flopped at Barcelona. If Coutinho plays, maybe that's a difference. I thought not starting Firmino was a mistake. Yeah. Like the everson Richarlison thing. Richarlison is... I don't want to be mean. He's, he's just he's the dumbest he's, player. He's the dumbest player in the world. Second <laughs> and the, and second is Carrasco. But I mean, currently right now, the second dumbest player is Carrasco. The dumbest player is Richard. Yeah, it's not in my nature to just be overtly rude, but the guy's not good at football yet. The guy, like, wait, why you're too nice? He's he doesn't have a brain. That that's what I think he can acquire. Something no, he can't. because like, I think he's 22, you've been, 23. No, you've been stupid for like what three, four, five C. This guy's been dumb for like four or five years. He's just stupid. <laughs> like I'm I'm sorry, he's just but like I, my 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 thing is that's right now. I think when by the time he's maybe 28, 29, maybe no. maybe no, but that's no. again that's that's my inclination to just give you the benefit of the doubt the benefit of the doubt and be nice, but just the things he does is just boneheaded. So Put Firmino in there. Everton really didn't affect the game too much. The moment Fred got a yellow card within the first two minutes, so that ruined his whole thing. Because his thing is being aggressive, but within the limit of the game. Once he gets the yellow card, he can't be himself. Casemiro did not have a great game. Mm -mm. The defensive partnership of uh, Silva and Marquinhos, that's solid. But when the whole, like the full, Lodi? Is how do I it's describe it? It's 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 a mistake. He actually had a pretty good to- 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 tournament. That's so not the point. Like, like, he's he's not a defensive-minded fullback. Like, and I it's it's Brazil, so fair enough. Like you want the attack, you want the Danny Alves's, the Marcelos, etc. But you've got to be able to defend at least a little bit if you're going to be in that back four. But, but, but you know, that's what are the mis- I mean, apart from that, what other mistakes did he make at the Copa America that were major? If you're watching for Atletico Madrid, no, the guy is a pretty solid defender who can move forward. But look, that's a consequence of playing in that team. You're not gonna 
be allowed to play for Atletico Madrid if you don't know how to defend, man. So basically, he just made one. And I think that yeah, it's a mistake, but it's it's it happens. You you try to defend it, you misjudge the flight, you know. But De, De Maria, he, that goal from De Maria is not an easy goal to to score. Mm. I know what the funny thing is, like when he scored, that somebody puts a show reel that doesn't doesn't Edison ever learn? And the day is sure of the amount of times that Edison comes out early and concedes. Yeah, he makes it easy. Yeah. I think I tweeted in, in the group stage that watching Brazil's fullbacks make me appreciate. Unlike a, I appreciated them at the time, but Alves and Marcelo, that's a great duo, you know? And just looking at what Brazil is working with now, <laughs> it's just mm. like, yo, how, how the mighty have fallen in that sense. Like... We think about Brazil's, you know, the number 10s, the flair players and things like that. But what makes Brazil special historically, you could make an argument that it's their fullbacks. Like mm. the, the partnership of whether it's Marcelo, Alves, Cafu, uh, Roberto Carlos. You could go back in the days to what's, who Carlos were the ones Alberto. in the 1970s? Uh, Carlos Alberto. Carlos Alberto. And who was the other one? Yeah, I can't, I can't remember the exactly <laughs> the, the the old school left backs, whoever they were, but like that is a major function of Brazil's play. So if those aren't good, perhaps there's I don't know. There's just a, a question in my mind, not necessarily a statement, but I wonder if you investigate those teams and you feel like, you know the fullbacks are maybe the most important position here. Um, but yeah, Messi. More, more so Argentina, this generation of Argentina players had to get something. So, you know, I saw a picture where it was, you know, the old school guys of, you know, Otamendi and Messi and Di Maria and was it, who's the, there was somebody else. There was like four of them in the picture. It was just like, well, yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otamendi, Aguero. 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 It's like, yo, you guys had to win something. And they did. Now, are they going to win a World Cup next year? Probably not. Mm-mm. But um, you have you have the hardware. So now when people want to have the conversation about who's the this, who's the that, Messi can put his Copa America on the table, which is which is what you want, ultimately. You know, you mm-hmm. want the, the best players in the world to win things because that's better for the legacy, it's better for the conversation, it's better for the game, etc. So I, I, I should bring this point up, though. And I noticed this in 2016. I noticed it a few days ago. And it's more about the disingenuous nature of football discussion on social media and otherwhere and other places. And I'm sure you'll know, you've noticed this as well. When Cristiano didn't have a Euros, the international football wasn't important to people who made this the, the GOAT argument. When Messi didn't have a Copa, arguments were made to me I've heard them on your hangouts. I've heard them many places. Mm. Ah, international football is not that important. It's about Champions League. It's about Ballon d'Or. It's about this. It's about that. Messi wins yesterday. Ronaldo had his from 2016, Cristiano. Now, all of a sudden, international football is very important. This makes him the GOAT. Uh, This is one of the greatest accomplishments. Uh, International football. Look, he has his trophies. This, this, that, like. Can you have it both ways? And what in when 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 they don't have the trophy is not important. 
once they win it now, <laughs> once they win something for their nations, hmm. now all of a sudden the importance of international football is recognized. Furthermore, if this is the response that continental competitions elicit from people, be it a Euro or a Copa America, how then can you come to the table and tell me that them not having a World Cup or not even scoring a goal in a World Cup knockout stage is somehow alleviable or excusable? I see how you're reacting to Copa America. If Copa is this important and the World Cup is the biggest competition of football and they flopped on numerous occasions, what? It, I don't want to hear any arguments about, oh, if, if, if I bring up, but what about the World Cup? You can't tell me ah, international football doesn't no, no, matter. But basically, people, it's a case of having your cake and eating it. People don't want to hear anything other than the guy that they root for is the GOAT. But HH is that H that people don't want to scratch. And I'm that just that annoying, nagging thing that just keeps on propping up. Hence why you see guys said, oh, this Nigerian, this blah, 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 blah. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is. Look, 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 Rashford, Sancho, Saka, yeah. We'll so get there, we'll get there. No, no, yeah, Rashford, Sancho, Saka, yeah. So basically they're like, okay, like, why is this just like saying all this stuff with this Nigerian flag, like African piece of shit? Like, I'm just that dude that's like, you know, what about the World Cup? But when you are so convinced that your guy is the guy, you spend 24-7 thinking up arguments as to why he has to be the guy. So if he hasn't won any internationals, hmm, it's not just a trash. The World Cup is just like if if a festival, Portugal are not really that good. Argentina, everyone messes up. But then once they now win it, ah man, look now he has this international thing that you guys. So because it's just this, so fake. Like, okay, wait a minute. So how does him winning the Copa America make him the goat? That doesn't make any logical sense. Like people says, oh, finally he's now the goat. He's now finally one for like, because I think basically people like to put the benchmark really low because I think people by nature have a need to be happy. And what I've always learned is that you know what. People just want to be happy. Like, people don't want to know the truth. Like, it goes back, it's like the cipher complex in The Matrix. Ignorance is bliss. It's like, I don't care about the truth. I just want to be happy. And as long as I'm happy, that's all that matters. So, there is, so, you will, you can't get through to these people. So, even if Cristiano and Messi end up not winning the World Cup, they will say, the records, the Ballon d'Ors, the, the Champions Leagues, the international crowns, that makes them the goats. And so that's I'm like, okay, cool. But Wikipedia is still Wikipedia. <laughs> you know? So and you can't argue with Wikipedia because Wikipedia doesn't care about your feelings. All, all I want is intellectual honesty and integrity. On Twitter? Are you are you mad? Just you want just, you want intellectual honesty on Twitter. Wait, are you no, wait, well, no, are you I, I just want if if your argument is international football doesn't matter because that's what you have to convince yourself in order for your goat to be your goat, then fine. When they win something, don't celebrate it as if, you know, they've cured cancer. It's, it's just an international trophy to you. It doesn't mean anything. You people state this on many occasions. Ah, if they don't win it, it doesn't matter because champions league, because goal scoring records, because 
Puskas Awards, because Pachichi Awards, because this. If that's the argument, fine, then keep that. But once they win it, don't tell me this is now what qualifies you to sit at the big boy table. I thought they were already there. So that's all I want. Just be consistent with your arguments. For me, I've needed Messi to win something in order to let him sit down at the table. Like now I feel like Messi can sit down at the table. It does. Is he at the head of the table? No. But he can bring his international trophy to the table now. Because I've, I've said this from the start of this podcast. I give 60% credit to your club career. I give 40% credit to your international career. We add those things together, and that equals you. Some people are like, ah, it's... 2%, 5%. But then when they win, oh, now it's 99%. Look, he has this trophy. Like, obviously, again, yes, you're more than correct. <laughs> Using Twitter is stupid. However, Twitter is exemplary of the general discourse of football. Those don't care, man. And so I'm just, you know, trust me. People say the World Cup, as you say, like the World Cup is it's a festival. It's not that hard to win. Blah, 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 blah. If one of them wins it, oh, God. <laughs> I can't imagine the things they'll say. But basically, the World Cup will all of a sudden be respected as the greatest thing ever. It's, it's better than his five Champions Leagues. Like, I think Messi said that he would trade Champions Leagues for international silverware. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what he said, yeah. But people will forget these quotes and just sweep that under the carpet and just be like, no, 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 no. no, 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 no. It's he didn't mean what time. he said from his you mouth. He meant what I thought. You cannot get through to these people. You cannot get through to these people. So all you can say is, welcome. They don't have a World Cup. Then just let them drop on that. But okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't have a World Cup, and that that is an irrefutable fact. So you can jump up and say, the World Cup is manner, cool. They don't have the World Cup, which everyone recognizes is that is the big boy trophy. Then he just leaves us down. Then let them just cry up and down. So, but I'm not trying to hurt Messi, anybody's feelings. You know, for Messi, I'm glad he won it though. I am happy Me that too. he won it. I, I wanted Me him too. to take him to, and win. he had to. The only unfortunate part is you would have wanted that to be in Argentina, just like the home vibe, the home stadium. Well, but a but close second is doing it in Brazil, man. That's a close second, man. I mean, you, because did you see that? There's footage of like you know after they win and um, they're busy singing songs like Pozdebol wanted to be sing like a anti-Brazil song and Messi was like look bro chill relax. relax. It was anti-Pele. What did by anti? No, it was like a Brazil song. No, yeah, the, it was like Brazil, Brazil. Look, Maradona's better. Maradona's greater oh. than Pele. Like that's it's the lyrics of the song basically. So it's like it, it hails Maradona. And oh, it, yeah. tells, it tells people that Pelly's not that good. So was Messi telling him not to sing it because he didn't want Maradona's name being held as the greatest? Or was it just he was trying to keep the peace with Brazil? I don't know. You can tell by hmm. his body language. He was like, bro, no, come on, man. No. Like, we don't need to be people doing that. And even Aguero says, look, bro, come on, man. Like, no. that's, that's, that's too much, man. We have to get home. Sir, maybe that's what he's thinking. It's like, bro, but, but, no, but, home, but then like... if you look deeper, though, they report that Brazilians were actually supporting Messi. All right, so home teams had trouble winning. Let's talk about Europe. Oh, the colonizers, hmm? what's that? There's there's no good team to root for in the Euros. I didn't say anything with Dan. I didn't say anything. So he said, So, Euros, what's up? What's happening in the Euros? What's up? Where do you want to start with that one? Italia. It's basically it's about the Italy 
and England, you know, and the, and both of their stories. So I think it's best we start with Italy that we where we deal with England. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So, um, I Does thought that Italy started too good. That's a it's a it's a thing people always mention in you know competitions. You know, they came out three nil, three nil. I forget the score in their last game. Um, and what is it? Three nil. One zero was it? One zero. Yeah, Pessina. Yeah, it was just. You know, they came out of the gates flying. So it was like, well, you want to ease your way into the tournament and slowly grow and, and get better. So, and then they had that game against, was it Austria that made hmm. them work? And I was like, ah, okay, maybe not. Um, but 120, I, I, who, who was, is it Austria, Spain, Belgium, and um, no, Belgium, Spain. And and then the final. So, yeah, it's weird. I didn't think they'd be able to, like, maintain it. But the fact that they did clearly shows that they were the best team in the competition. No, no, I'm not. And I think the big thing that I – because I've always held the fact that you – a country can't win um, playing football that is against their cultural identity, you know. A leopard can't change its spots. Yeah, and it's it would be like a defensive team. So I was like, Do leopards have spots. I think so. So 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 so, yeah. so it's like so I think I, th- I think for 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 Italy, it's sort of like I thought that Belgium is where they they, they lose. Like, these guys would be entertaining, would be good, blah blah. But oh wow, they play good football. But if you play wild wild west with with Belgium, I think Belgium would out 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 gone you. In the gun range, you know, but it is a very brave thing to take what a club has done for hundred, like for a long time, and be like, you know what? We're just gonna just change how we, how our whole philosophy that we've held for several years that has given us four World Cups, a Euro, and several World Cup final appearances, you know. So, and also more so it's doing it without any truly world star players. Now for me, I think Kiesa is a superstar in the, in the making, but there were no really known high tier quality players, obviously apart from Marco. So, but obviously now after this Euro, people are like, okay, who is this Donnarumma dude? Wait, who is this Spinazzolo dude? Okay, who is this Barella dude? Now who the freak is this Kiesa dude? So. I think everything starts with that defensive pairing. Chiellini's an old school defender, man. So hmm. you have that, at least you have a rock that's not moving. Bonucci's the best ball playing center back in the world and has been for hmm. five, six, seven, eight years. At a time, I would have told you, ah, maybe, you know, uh, David Louise, maybe, like in no. terms of like passing range, but David Louise is nowhere close to like the defender that Bonucci is. So it starts with those two. Um, not having Spinazzola was that's a miss. Because Emerson, oh my God, um, he did not have a great first half. I thought he was better in the second half, but you know, I think dude tore his Achilles in the semifinal, or was Who? it an ACL? Spin it solo. The no, 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 in the quarters, I think. Was it quarters? Yeah, 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 it was, it was the quarters. It was the quarters. What happened to it? Was it, I know it was bad, but. I, th- I think it was it was either hamstring or Achilles. Yeah, yeah it was bad. Like, yeah. or, but no, no. I mean, um, that's why, because if you think about it, because that's why obviously we'll get to England, but 
It was if, against Belgium. Have, it was against Belgium. It was against Belgium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quarters. It was quarters. Yeah. Quarters. So see, if if Italy had um, spelled Sola and Kiesa didn't go off injured, Italy would have beaten England in one twenty. You know. I think they beat them in ninety. Mm, one twenty. One twenty. England's defense is strong. I mean, one twenty did breach them. Ninety yeah, now. One twenty did breach them. But I would I would push back on the idea that they don't have superstars. Like they don't have Neymar, Messi, Ronaldo, Hazard, De Bruyne. They don't have that. No, 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 no. But back they in the have, day, they have really really good players. Yeah, no, 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 no. But but if you go to let's go to Euro two thousand, Totti, okay. I think was the best playmaker at the time in two yeah, in two thousand. Best number ten in the world. Yeah, like Del Piero his was. I think guys, because he was aimed to be like a potential Ballon d'Or winner mm-hmm. at the at the time. Um, what's it called? Maldini. Kind of, I mean, Maldini, Nesta. What more needs to be said? Like, let's keep it real. Nobody considers in 2021 Kelini or Bonucci to be the best defenders in the world. At the time, Maldini was the best defender in the world. Nesta was the best defender in the world. Totti was the best. No, no, number 10. The players were the best players. So they had known guys. You go to, you go to 94. Barresi was, was probably the best defender in the world. Baji mm-hmm. was one of the best strikers in the world. So that's it from now. Where's like, okay, these are good players, but they're not on the map, you know. So Killing, he's not on the map in 2021. No, 2012, 2013, 2014, he was one of the best defenders in the world. 2021, hence why what did is so impressive because he just said, Yeah, I'm reminding you guys that I'm that dude. So, but people think Ramos, you think Van Dyke, people would say Diaz, people would. See all these dudes. Jorginho had a pretty good tournament, I'd say. Vastly overrated. Specifically by Chelsea fans, but Chelsea, you know, that's Chelsea to be expected. Chelsea um, I don't think Marco had the greatest campaign. I mean, he was good in spots, but I can't remember a game he just outright dominated. Now no, no, maybe no, 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 now, no. now now again now that's just me. So maybe I know you probably watch him with great intent. So maybe you could tell me like was it was there a game that he was just superior to everyone on the pitch? Is he battling injury or, or what? Well, no. For, I mean, see again, like I'm not a stats guy, you know, but it's like it is an impressive number of like he had the most key passes in the whole of the Euros, and didn't play the first game and was subbed off. In every game that he played, but still end up with the most key passes. So that's one thing. But I think put that to one side. Performance-wise, I do think that yeah, the probably the I think the game in which he shone was this final. I think once Italy took control, mm. everything just went through him. And I think they said like he had more touches on the ball than Rice, Phillips, and Mounts combined, <laughs> which is insane. Have Italy? Have they ever been losing in the tournament? Like, was this the first time they had to come back? Yeah, first time. First time. So they go down a goal in the second minute. Uh, Trippier crosses. I don't know what was happening at the far post, but Luke Shaw gets there, and he puts it in. And can I be honest? I missed mm. the goal. <laughs> yeah. It happens so early that. I'd set my alarm for the game started here at three. So mm. I was like, I'm going to try to take a nap because who knows how long this night might be with like live streams and all that kind of stuff. So I didn't know if we were going to record a podcast or what. So I was like, you know, what? I want to be well rested 
for the evening period. So I'm going to try to wake up right before the game, right? So I wake up and, you know, you get the notification that like, oh, a goal was scored. I'm like, yo, who scored? <laughs> Just like very early. I was like, was it Italy? It must be Italy. England, they aren't going to score the first minute or two. They did. <laughs> so luckily I was smart and I like, I recorded the game. So I was able to rewind it. And, you know, with, I missed it by like a minute. But, um, yeah, that's a great start. But have I talked about you can score too early on this podcast before? I feel hey. like we, 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 we've been doing this thing for a long time. So there's no way we haven't discussed. You can score almost too early. And in a final at home and in a final that England – it's their first final since 1966. The The issue is once you have something to hold on to, you're not quick to let it go or risk it. So you score in the second minute, and it's like, oh, we didn't expect for this to happen. Let's sit back. And let's just – what we have, we hold. We defend it. Mm. And they defended it for as long as they could. But – once Italy equalized in 67, 66 minutes, somewhere in there, now they actually had to start playing a football game that Italy were playing for over an hour, you know. And I don't think England ever really found their feet in the final. They scored mm. so quickly that they never got into the game in a – in a real sense, because I'm sure all the, all the tactical things that they would have worked on over the course of those three, four days, once you score a goal, doesn't all of that go out the window? Because it's now the mentality immediately switches. Italy are now a different team because now we have to score. Mm. So they instantly become better. And England are like, whoa, uh, we're winning? Like if we if we keep a clean sheet, we win the final at home? Well, let's just sit back in our defensive block, our shape, and let's just keep our shape. And maybe Sterling or Kane or somebody could create a chance on the on the break. But in terms of dominating the ball and keeping the ball, that's why you're stat about Verratti having more passes than the whole English midfield. They were just happy not to have the ball and just please clock, tick, 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 tick. Which which is very stupid. But you can't do that. <laughs> Maybe in the 60s or 70s, 80s, you could just bide time and, you know, kick it back to the goalkeeper and just hold it <laughs> when there was no back pass rule or anything like that. But in this modern era, I think this is something that, you know, we've criticized Mourinho and other more pragmatic managers about in the past. But you can't hold on to one nils in 2020. That's not happening. You would want that goal maybe like. 30, 40 minutes, but... Because if you switch the rules and um, the final was, was held in Rome and Italy scored very early, 1,000%, Italy would have aggressively chased that second and that third, mm -hmm. specifically this Italy team. Yeah. But I think for England, again, this goes back to why the whole 66 thing is always going to be something that will hold England back. Because they are such narrative merchants, and <laughs> they care so much, and they put so much into the whole thirty-six thing. Where it's like, okay, good, you had that. That's in the past. Forget that, and just 
focus on winning the game because what that does is that once I go up early, like, oh my God, we are actually winning. Oh my God, like we are so close to emulating this. Oh my God, oh my God. And they now become fearful. And then the only thing about is just win, 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 win. Where is that? Okay, play the game. Yep. And play the game, focus the game. We've, we've gone up very early. We need to find the second. Yes, defend, but we, you should just have the assumption that these guys are going to come out and look for the goal. So we have to try and find a way of getting in behind and get the second. Which is why obviously gets to it is substitutions. You know, mm. you have to make the right substitutions at the right time. And England have probably the strongest bench at the whole of the Euros. So it is a position in which before it even gets to 1-1, bring on players to say, all right, you know what, we're bringing on something positive because, and that even say something to it's that, you know what, we're not actually resting on 1-0. We are bringing on Sancho or Grish or Sofas because we're not looking for the second. But if you're not making any subs, you're saying to Italy that's, oh, we are now going to rest on this 1-0 and hope for a break. This will, all right, make sure that we don't get any breaks. Chiellini, yank back that young black guy. And then let's try and see if this equalizer. So, Listen, like, if England don't score in the second minute, I, I think the stat was... Italy had 66% possession, so they had two-thirds of the ball. Mm. It, England had one-third of the ball over the course of 120 minutes. Mm. That's not the case. It's far more evenly split than one-third to two-thirds, you know. But they were just ha- – they had two shots on target. Kane didn't have a touch inside his box or something along those lines. Oh, or he didn't have any dangerous play inside of – no shots no on targets, no chances created in two hours. Now, I'd rather have the goal than not have the goal. If somebody was like, you know, okay, Daniel, we're going to let Uganda score in the first minute. Like, give, give me the goal. Like, the chances no, I mean, I mean, see, 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 of see. not scoring against Italy this, are no, probably see, more likely than scoring. This is the way it goes. So give me the goal, but it, it, it goes back it to goes the psychology mentality. of what the goal does to a, no, to no. a particular team. If Spain score that goal in the first or second minute, they still want to keep the ball because that's their that's their style of play. That's that's their philosophy. That's their national. That's their how would you put it? That's just who they are. Just give us the ball. We want to score a second. We want to score a third. If Belgium score in the first or second minute, they want to keep the ball. They want to keep doing their thing. France are a bit interesting. I don't know if France would want to keep the ball necessarily, especially under Deschamps. But, you know, there are just certain nations where Germany, especially, if we get one, just keep going and keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. We want to get seven. We want to get eight. We want to get nine. If we can embarrass you, the the, the, the more the better. But England, who don't necessarily have the – not even – I don't even need to use the word necessarily. That's just a way to make it seem less, less harsh. But who don't have a history – <laughs> of winning things, except the one time they won thing in a World Cup there where Africa boycotted and it was already at their crib. That goal was almost the worst thing that could have happened to them. It would have been better if England, if Italy scored first, and now England had to come into the match. But they just basically they waited and waited and waited for Italy to score, and then once Italy got the equalizer, which to be fair, I'm sure a lot of people were thinking Italy is not for them. Like they're not going to score, but they did, and then now, now what? And that's where it comes to your maybe substitution points. And I would push back just a little bit. 
England's bench is was good, but because all of their really good players don't play or start, not all, but you know, who what team would have Sancho on the bench? What team would have Grealish from the bench? What team would have Rashford from the bench in favor of Mount Rice, Phillips, etc.? So yeah, your bench is good, but what does that mean? But what's happening to the starting eleven if your bench is that good? Maybe you say they they got to a final, so it's okay. But in my team, Jaden Sancho is not starting from the bench. Rashford is not on the bench. Grealish isn't on the bench. These are players who I start. And then if Mount or Phillips or Rice is on the bench, is their bench really that good compared to other teams in the tournament? I don't know. But, you know, that's Southgate's decision. But, no, you, you were going to say something. I'm sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, yeah, I'm like, look, that's a lot of stuff about, about, about the subs, man. You know, but I think you pretty much made the point. Okay. What point is there to make? Is there anything that happened between the Bonucci equalizer and the penalties that's worth talking about outside of substitutions and things? Maybe the Chiellini pullback on Saka. Maybe we mentioned that for no, now. No, 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 that's, that's not just a, a professional foul, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Saka handballed it, by the way. So the yellow no. card was a bit... Ah, this is why that moment is instructive. And I think Eddie mentioned this. And I thought I thought the same, but obviously why mention it if somebody already said it. But he mentioned it on your hangout. That was That was the blueprint. And something that Eddie didn't mention, I don't think, was once once you see Saka run past Chiellini and Chiellini pulls his shirt back, that should have been the clue to Southgate to say, okay, they don't or can't cope with pace. Bonucci was already yellow carded from something previously in the match. Chiellini then gets his yellow card. So you have their two central defenders on yellow cards. Southgate can't take off Kane because you'll need Kane for penalties, right? But Sterling, he wasn't as effective in the game. He could have come off, especially if he's not going to take a penalty. The first period of extra time, you saw Rashford putting on his shirt. And I thought he was going to come in for the last 15 minutes, which I thought, yeah, that makes sense. Like, take off Sterling, put on Rashford, and give him 15 minutes to run at a tired Italian defense who both of their central defenders are on yellow cards. But he didn't come on. So I was like, what, is, what exactly is happening here? Is he just trying to save him for penalties? I guess so. I think England are playing for penalties. If they were playing to win the game, they take off tired players and they put on better players, at least in that moment. So Rashford just standing there with his kit on for 20 minutes almost and basically go in, don't f*** up on the set piece, which is dangerous in itself making both of those changes before a set piece, and then make a penalty. Was it Zaza in 2016 who was subbed on for the explicit purpose of making a penalty? Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That might be the worst penalty ever taken in the history of history, but I think he was. I think they... It was like 119-120, and they were just like, all right, take off somebody and put on somebody to make a penalty. You, you don't have the context of the game. You're not up to game speed. The last time you kicked the football was when? 
think about it, like what the the real time before Rashford like would have struck a football with the intent to score it would have been when long Training? time ago. <laughs> you know that's like, that's the issue, yeah. Maybe not even halftime. It must have been like the before the game started when they're just doing the warm ups. Mm. So for two three hours you haven't struck the ball with any intent to score like what do you think that does sancho the same if rashford had played 15 20 minutes i'm sure his penalty goes in but he didn't have a feel for the ball so he did what he had to do in terms of the technique of getting down Roma to go the wrong way but then when it comes to the actual practice of shooting the football i don't know what this thing feels like hits the post not 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 just the decision but the timing of it Put him up. What's what's the word? If, if Sterling isn't going to take a penalty, why can't you take Rashford off? Why can't you take him off for Rashford immediately? Yeah, no. Look, as I said, look, he he. I mean, look, he messed up then, man. I and mean, that would have saved Sterling from the criticism of why didn't you take one? Because he's he's off the pitch. Like I had to. I played a hundred and what five minutes. I was tired, and Rashford is a better penalty taker than me. So why do I need to be on the bench? On the bench. Ooh. On the yeah, why do I need to be on the pitch? So that whole thing, I was just very curious. And once you see that Chiellini's having trouble with Saka's pace, put on your pacey players. I mean, it's a bit crass in a way, but if it's effective, do what you got to do. He messed up in the sense of you have to. It's it, it it's 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 down to your psychology, man. Because it's like if you're one zero up early. Do you keep it as one zero, or do you aggressively chase for the two zero? Are you brave or are you cautious? Because it's a final, and it just goes down to the makeup of the team. But the makeup of um, Southgate is, oh, we're a defensive team. We're going to keep it as one zero. So that was the worst thing that could have happened to him and his team. But if that was Italy, they would have said, oh, we're going to go for the second. You know. Like as it did against Belgium, oh, if we could not go up first, no, we, we believe that we can get the second. So it all goes goes down to the mentality of the team. So this is why before you even go to penalties and you go to, oh my gosh, the guys who missed is no, you're playing at home, you're playing at Wembley, you have all these players on the bench. You know Chiellini and Bonucci are slow. Why don't you bring on um Sancho, who is skillful? Rashford, who is quick and direct, to really stretch them. Because again, and this is something that you obviously can't do because it's thinking, but if you're really, really brave, you, you, you take off Kane and you just play quick. So Rashford, Sancho, Sterling and so forth, and you just play small, play, play quick, lots of movements, and then you really begin to stretch. That's very hard to the defense next extra time, and maybe you, you get that goal. Or you only want to go to penalties if you're the vastly inferior team getting pimp slaps or you're down to <laughs> 10 men and you're literally like hanging on. But if you're at home and you do have players that can potentially win the, the game, you don't want to take it to a lottery yeah. because you're like, no, go out and win this game. But I just think that for Southgate, again, 66, nervousness, Wembley, the occasion and so forth, all that was in his mind was, and look, it was a gamble. It didn't pay up, but it was a, a gamble for me. I think bringing on Rashford for penalties makes sense. Yeah. Sancho, that didn't make sense. Like, when he, when I saw Rashford coming, I was like, okay, you know what? It makes sense. This It's, it's a gamble, but it makes sense because this is a normally a very good penalty taker. 
But like Sancho, this guy has hardly played. So why would you trust Sancho to score a penalty over Henderson or Mount? For me, I would have more faith in Henderson or Mount scoring a penalty over Sancho. So the so bringing on Sancho, that's it may, may make any sense. So well, see, Mount well, came off in the first period of extra time for Grealish after a hundred minutes. If if Grealish, who subsequently said that he was willing to take a penalty, but Southgate didn't have him on the list, at least in the first five. Pickford was taking six, by the way, if you can believe that. But Grealish wasn't in the first six guys taking a penalty. I understand that Mount didn't have the most effective game. He didn't have the greatest tournament, if we're honest. But if in Southgate's mind, and this is proven by the fact that Rashford just stayed on the sideline for the whole second period of extra time. If you're playing for penalties, why why not let Mount go the full distance? Clearly, you aren't trying to win the game in the 120 minutes. Otherwise, Rashford wouldn't have been standing on the sideline for 15 minutes. Mm. So it must have been... It, Rashford is coming in this game because we need him to take a penalty. Otherwise, we don't sub him in in the 120th minute. But he was ready to go into the game in at halftime. So that means you were playing for penalties in the second period. Yeah. So if that's the case, five minutes before, and Grealish isn't on my list, why am I taking off Mount? Mason Mount is England's second best penalty taker. If I go through the list, Kane's obviously the best. And the next on my list is probably Mason Mount. I'm not sure what Calvert-Lewin or those guys are saying, like the strikers who, who don't get minutes. But Mount's up there in terms of his technique, and I trust him to make it in that moment. I mean, Maguire's penalty is really good, by the way. But um, And Rashford, if Rashford had played five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever it was, I think he makes it, just because he has a better feel for the game. No, you see, you see, see I've been back and forth with that, and for me, I, I disagree. Like Initially, I was like, yeah, you know, let them play and have a feel of the game. When you look at his his penalty was a good penalty. It's inches. You see, like Sancho and Sarkas, those are bad penalties. Yeah. Rashford's are. was good. Like he made the thingy go, go the wrong way, placements, but it's just it's, it's just a matter of inches. So for me, I think the whole Rashford thing, he did exactly what he wanted to do with the penalty. It's just a matter of inches. So I don't think for Rashford. It was a case of things just that you know it was just unlocked like Sancho and Sancho for your bad penalties. So my issue is he did what he wanted to do before he struck the ball. If the ball wasn't there and he did the same motion, Donnarumma goes the wrong way. Once you say okay, now kick it, the motion of kicking it into that his left corner, Donnarumma's right. That's about your feel for the football. But he hasn't played. He maybe no, 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 he no. he maybe kicked it. When he was playing like right wing back or left wing back, whichever whichever one, if he was in the game for longer and he does the same technique, which doesn't necessarily need the ball there, but he does have a feel for the ball. I th- I think he makes it, but who knows? You know, maybe he does something different if he played for longer. Is obviously it's hypotheticals, but the reality is he missed. So, <laughs> um, okay, to the penalty order. How do you feel about Kane going first? It's a tough one, but I agree with Kane going first. I don't. Because you, you go back to 2012, when Cristiano went fifth. 
and Moutinho went first and he missed. And Christian didn't even have a chance to take one because obviously they missed before. So my thing is that you have a decision to make. Either you want to start strong or you want to finish strong with potentially winning it, which is the fifth one. So for the strongest one, basically it depends how... See, if I'm, if if it's England, I put Kane first because England are, not, are normally not very good at penalties. So mentally, psychologically, let's just get off to a, a strong start. If I've got pretty good penalty takers, I want my strongest guy fifth. So that's just how you do it. So for England... Mentally, psychologically, let's just get something on the board because if you miss the first one, there's a lot of pressure for that second, third dude. But if you make the first one, boom, points on the board, mentally we're in it, boom. So it depends on how good the, the team is at penalties. So with France, where they put Mbappe last, based on the game, I wouldn't have done that because why would you give him the most pressure-filled penalty? It doesn't make sense. So put him first. With England, I, I understand the argument of, look, these guys, <laughs> their history with penalties is pretty bad. So just to ease the, the stadium. Now, oh, this is this is a point before this. And I feel like I mentioned this. I don't know when I did. And I know I was complaining the whole tournament about, you know, England playing six of seven games at home. This is actually a point where playing at home hurts you the pressure of feeling the whole stadium's nervousness in a penalty shootout or just the final in general. It's an added layer of pressure that perhaps... See, I feel like the Italians love the idea of going to England, going to Wembley Stadium, and beating them there. Like, they're built for that. England's having the pressure of a penalty shootout to win a Euros with a whole crowd of maybe like 60,000 people who are rooting for you. That's another layer of pressure that maybe (laughs) you wouldn't be there if it wasn't for having that advantage from the group stage to the final. But in that moment, maybe Wembley wasn't the best place for them to have that shootout. Anyway, um, Kane going first is fine. Like, I'm not mad at it. Would I do it? No. But I'm not mad at it. My thing is, the order subsequent to that, it can't be that. If it was me making the list, like, I understand the logic of Kane going, I would have put Rashford first. You have a, you have a problem with that? You're, you have to, you know, you put, you put, you put your, your strongest one first. Because I want, I want Rashford to go first because I feel like he's my second strongest. Then I then I put Maguire, whose penalty was very very good. Then I probably go. There was just you're putting Kane of fifth. the options. Yeah, I'm putting Kane fifth. You made the argument of you know you know Martinho missed, so Cristiano didn't get to take one. How often do we see penalties not go to the fifth? Very not rarely. No, rarely. It's rare. It's but, terrible. But rare. It's, it's not like in that high pressure situation. <laughs> And you know, no, you have to say, understand, England are known to not be good at penalties. So yes. you look at England's record, a lot of times they they lose within five. <laughs> so I hear you. If, if you know that other... your country has a history of being bad at penalties and you're playing at Wembley, start strong. Then it's in God's hands. But say, who's my best one, bro? Put it in, let's start strong, and then let's ride. Is now, if you know. Now, in- imagine this. Imagine if he puts Kane fifth and they don't even get to five. Southgate would be slaughtered. 
Imagine that. Imagine if they if they don't if if they don't get the five, then the people who missed the less pressure filled penalties would have missed the more pressure filled penalties. No, no, no. But imagine what people have said about Southgate. I say so, Southgate. You are our captain and our strongest penalty taker. You put fifth, and he didn't even get to take one. Then okay. people like oh, so. The people are like, oh, it's like, what if he had, he had gone first? Because I'm giving people confidence. The the argument would have now been totally swayed and to now okay, be okay. But that, okay, yeah, but now people are making the opposite argument. So, like, either way, if you don't win the penalty shootout, people are going to talk about the order of the penalties. But it would have, no, no, it would have been worse if you put mine is like which which is the sounder logic. Score. Mine is which again going to the beginning. Like, which logic makes the most sense for me to put a 19 year old taking the fifth penalty makes less sense than saying Kane might not take one because the odds that you take all five penalties are fairly high. Kane took the less pressure filled penalty of the five that were taken. If he's the best, I want him in the most difficult situation because you are the best and you're the captain. Now, Abdul, that we know, Egyptian Abdul, he made a good point. He's like, well, if he goes fifth, then people are going to say, you know, Kane was glory hunting and he was doing well. <laughs> taking the fifth penalty is not easy. The The burden of a nation was on Saka's shoulders taking the fifth penalty. Is that fair considering Harry Kane exists? If Saka goes first and the first penalty taken is the least pressure filled of the shootout, it's not, it's not, not pressure filled. Obviously, it's the Euro final. But in the context of that shootout, that first penalty, you can miss it. You don't want to miss it. It's not good if you miss it, but you can. Locatelli missed the first penalty against Spain. They still won. In the most important penalty shootout in my life, perhaps, <laughs> Juan Mata missed the first penalty shootout against the first penalty in the penalty shootout against Bayern Munich. No, 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 still won. Because the ebbs and flows of what happens over the course of 10 penalties, the first one is almost the least consequential one. So if Saka misses that one, all right, there's still four more guys. You have four brothers to help you here. Once the once the shootout has gone in that order and we get to number five, which is the one that normally wins it or normally loses it, now <laughs> there's there's nowhere to hide. It's either you make it or you win or you lose. I don't know if that's fair to put that on him. You might say, well, maybe King can go first, but just don't put Saka fifth. Put someone else. And you could shuffle the order. Is the argument, let them go first, so hopefully Saka doesn't have to take one? My argument is Saka doesn't go amongst the first five. And it would make sense if you put Kane one, you put Rashford five. Because you're bringing on Rashford because... He is normally a very good penalty taker and United's penalty taker. So if you bring it on Rashford, why are you putting him third? It obviously makes sense to put him fifth. So you put Rashford fifth. You put um, Thingy first. And for me, Sancho shouldn't take one. Saka shouldn't take one. So now you're choosing between either Sterling, Maguire, Shaw, Phillips, and so forth. Guys who've played and have had... And you would feel... Uh, probably most likely to, to score than, like, let's say, bring it on a Sancho, because a Sancho, like, you see a known penalty taker and so forth. So my thing is, yeah, like, Rashford 5 and Kane 1 would have made sense and then choose the guys in between that shouldn't have been Sancho or Saka, because Sancho, why is he bringing on? And Saka, he's 19. Also, what if Kane misses the first one? Then what? Then you'd lose the game. 
<laughs> yeah, well, yeah. You you lose immediately if Kane misses the first one. So that would have been in my thinking, I think, as well. Like I'm I'm saving Kane for one the most pressure, but I know if he misses that first one or if Donald Roma saves it, that's it. And Donald he gets the right way, if I remember correctly. It was just it was just a really good penalty. So um or maybe he dived the right way on the Maguire one. They all kind of blend together. But yeah. Again, you can miss the first penalty in a penalty shootout, and it's not punitive. You can't miss the fifth one. If you miss the fifth one, you lose most of the time. There's a, there's a psychology to penalty shootouts. I'm not a manager. This is just, you know, some dude. No, but, but, but one thing I do see, though, like, again, like, as I said again, I was a trash keeper, but I was good at penalties, you know. Yeah. Hence why they didn't see – because obviously in the game I played, and I think I let – because it was 5-5. I let in five goals. Everybody was saying, man, this, this, this dude is trash. So I let look, guys, chill. But then when it came to the penalties, this is what I always said. Run up straight. If you run at an angle, I can make an educated guess of where you're going to go. Mm-hmm. So in the penalty shootout that I was in, I saved three of them because the guys ran at an angle. And I remember watching um, Brazil against Holland, France, 1998. And it's always stuck with me. Brazil, when they took this, they ran straight. So if you run straight, the keeper really is not making a guess. If you run at an angle, he can make an educated guess based on the way that you're running up. So for Donnarumma, when he saw Saka, he was like, it's very likely this guy's going to go bottom, my, to my bottom left. Just with the angle that he's running at and his nervous as, as well. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's going to try and just hook it into that bottom right rather than try and side foot and place it into my thing. So, hence the rules. Like, you know what? I'm going to go there. Did they all have to miss? Because I knew what it would lead to. I saw you had a video that was scheduled to publish. I didn't watch it, but it was like, you know, why you don't root for England. What, what, what did you tell the people, man? No, no, just, I mean, just to paraphrase, just, you know, like I think that England does pretty much makes you make, make, makes it known that you're not really part of them really. So I'm like, you know, even if you want to be part of England and so forth, if you're being told that, well, you're black, you're not really part of England, why should you still root for them? You know? But then there are some people that come here and they can rise above that. I'm like, well, it's only a minority and so forth, but then people like me that's like, no, I've got more self-respect. So if people are telling me that you know you have to be white to really be English, and if you're black, you're only you're English when you're good, but when you're not good, you're not English. You're a foreigner. I'm like, you know what? Then I don't think I don't I don't, I don't think you deserve my support. It's so. terribly consistent around Europe, though, isn't it? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. When when like, Benzema, like, Benzema like, and Ozil like have said the same. England is not like a separate case, man. Because it's like so people say, oh my gosh, no, like we've been to Italy, I've been to Eastern Europe. I mean, so, but then you know, I can only talk based off living here in England because I don't live in, in Italy, so I don't see from the outside in. So I've been really living here for over 20 years, so I can just tell you what this is about. But yeah. this isn't a case of like, oh, England are like, no, every, Europe is a mess. This <laughs> is the whole of Europe is a mess. Maybe if you go to like Sweden or somewhere where it's like, okay, it's, it's, it's you can maybe sort of just originate there a bit. But stop it, man. If Isak, you know? if they were in the final and Isak missed the penalty, it would be the same thing. Um, Yo, Balotelli says when when he scores, he's Italian. When he doesn't, 
he's an African Ghanaian immigrant. When Benzema is playing well, he's French. When he's not, he's an Algerian immigrant. When Ozil's playing great, he's German. When he's not, he's a Turkish immigrant. So the quotes are, it's consistent around Europe. I don't know if the behavior is particular to England, but the English are particular to themselves. And the behavior of, you know, destroying stadiums and, you know, the, the scenes of like Italians trying to get out of the stadium and English people just kind of beating them up and they slip and they jump in them and stuff like that. Or I saw videos of people getting thrown into the Thames. I don't know if that's real or not, but, you know, just like it's easy to believe it, even if it's not true. <laughs> so lies are sometimes easily believed, depending on who the lie is about. So it's easy to believe, ah, English people are being a bit hooliganistic. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can, I can, I can believe it. Um, like, I'm not surprised by it. If anything, I expect it. You know, it's just like, oh, so when, when are the tweets coming? When is the abuse coming? Who's it coming by? But it's not, will, will it happen? Or can you believe that? XYZ was said like yeah I believe it all it's disheartening so you're not you're not you're not securing racism any anytime soon but <laughs> <laughs> this is stuff it's here to stand like I think as I said again like um the three blacks missing it had to happen <laughs> and I think that it's it's it was it's it was it was the best thing that could have happened because because that's because okay. if they had scored and everyone celebrated, then that would be fake. So these same racists would have called Rashford and these guys, oh, you're legends, we love you, but that would have been fake. So they had to all miss. England had to lose on penalties at Wembley in order for this reaction to happen to show you that, no, no, this is how they truly, this is how they truly feel when you fail. So it's, 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 it was a necessary occurrence that was needed. So it was a blessing. Can I also make the point, like, if you read... A lot of these statements that, like, the FA or the British government comes out with. Why why don't they ever say black, man? It's weird, but then it's not weird. So if you read, like, the statements... Actually, let me, let me, let me, let me pull it up. All right. This is from the FA. FA statement on discriminatory abuse. And I quote, The FA strongly condemns all forms of discrimination and is appalled by the online racism that has been aimed at some of our England players on social media. We could not be clearer that anyone behind such disgusting behavior is not welcome in following the team. We will do all we can to support the players affected while urging the toughest punishments possible for anyone responsible. If you didn't know, maybe you could, you could, you could infer who online racism is sent to. You could infer. But if you didn't know, would you know? All forms of racism or all, all forms of discrimination, sorry, aimed at some of our England players. Like, do you have a good beat at why they skirt the line and they don't address racism, anti-black racism, white supremacy? Like, why don't they address these things head on? Because all all forms of discrimination, it's not just, you know, anti-black racism, which is what this is. You could, if you, you could take out perhaps the online racism bit, but maybe not even. And it could be anti-Semitism or 
uh, you know, anti-LGBTQ plus. Like, the statement is just kind of copy and paste if you want it to be for anything that you kind of don't like. But if you don't address the, the root of the issue, you know, you deal with the leaves and the stems and the branches and whatnot, you know, the trunk of the tree. But if you don't deal with the, the root of the problem, then all of these statements will be continue to come out and it goes to your point of just, you know, nothing will ever change. Well, how can anything change if the language doesn't change? If I have to infer what you're saying, if you're not just saying it plainly, then you might as well just not speak. England don't want to accept that racism exists. So this is a very, very uncomfortable occurrence within them right now. It's like you look at that whole thing that um, Tyrone Mings retweeted where, you know, Priti Patel, who is Indian, said that, you know, people who are kneeling, it's plain politics and blah, 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 that, you know, people have the right to, 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 to boo. Now that the racism has not happened, and I think even an, an, an Asian dude got beat up, she's like, oh my gosh, we must get rid of this whole stuff, blah, blah. Then Tyrone Mings says, well, let me know. Well, you don't get to say that because you actually stoked the fire for this kind of behavior by not really standing with us when we knelt against racism, you know. So, but basically, I think the key thing is this, you have to just look at big picture here. The big picture is, which is why what happened is amazing. I love what happened because I, you need to sit down with someone and say, so let me get this straight. Because a guy was unable to get a ball inside a, a fishnet from 18 yards out, cool. that is a bigger deal than him using his platform to feed um, starving kids. And some people were like, yeah. Hence why <laughs> an MP said that um, yeah. Rashford should play less politics and instead focus on perfecting his craft. So the beauty of what happened is you have to look at the universe and how the universe works. The universe is saying that England, you're never winning another trophy. It's never happening. And we... This occurrence was to make it so painful for you to fully double down and say that you're never winning this. So you're so never winning, winning this that we're actually going to present, give you a tournament where you come so close. Six out of your seven games are at Wembley. You have a final where you are leading and you lose on penalties and the people who miss penalties are black just to really drive it home to you. So it's 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 just the thing of like, no, you're like, you're, you're, you're never winning a major trophy. It's not happening. So... Um, like I, I said again, like you know, the, the three blacks missing. It was necessary to have the dialogue that you now have now because at the end of the day, we love football. Like nobody loves football more, more, more than me, no one. But what is happening right now is far more important than winning a piece of metal and um, um, for what's fashionable. That you haven't won since because like, again, I want to you have to understand, like, no one gives a damn about 1966. No one cares. <laughs> and by you, by you <laughs> talking about 66, you make yourselves look foolish and sad because Italy are like, oh, we have like four World Cups, we have like several, like Germany High, yeah, we've got four World Cups, we've got three euros, spinning like yeah, we've got also got three euros, we've got it. So, guys, like, but you're still going on about this 1966, 66. It just makes you look sad, you know, and you are, and I think basically because you, it's your arrogance and your obsession with England and England as a state that's in your mind, 
winning this for England due to Brexit and due to arrogance is more important than a guy using his platform to feed kids because you're like, damn it, it's it's this like it's like why did this have to use his platform to do something good? <laughs> so we have to put, basically we've got to we've, no basically we've basically we've got to cut this baboon down. So the only way to to cut this baboon down is let's let's just try and say, oh, you're being political, you're being this and that and so forth. So as I say, it's 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 lovely, man. It's lovely. I I I love it. It's, it's amazing, man. It's amazing. You know what Malcolm said? If you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, you know the one that barks is the one who got hit. That's where you know a hit dog holler comes from. I think it's a Malcolmism. Mm. Rashford missing a penalty. You should really talk about okay the technique or whatever it is. But for you to blame for a politician to talk about. Rashford's social activism as somehow affecting the technique of his penalty. That's you being hit by the rock. That's you thinking he's doing more than what I'm doing for people. So how do I strike him down? Bark, bark. Because he's he's putting a mirror into your face. Like, yeah, I missed a penalty or whatever, but I'm still doing more for the people than you. And you're, that's your job. You know, and earlier today I saw like, you know, Boris Johnson talking about Something to the effect of he didn't say black players. He just used racist, racist abuse at like some some of the England players. You know, he's like, shame on you. And I hope you crawl back under the rock. I hate the term like crawl under the rock as if racists just come out of nowhere. <laughs> like, bro, all of these race they're not racist. But then when something happens, then they just come out of their rocks. They say some racist stuff. And then they go back under the rock and then they're never seen again until a black person does something they don't like. Racist people don't come from under rocks, man. Like they're they're in your living rooms. It's like your dad, your sister, brother, mom, friend, cousin, whatever it is. Like they're not under a rock. They're working in a supermarket or they're working in, you know, downtown central London, making money for people, or they're who knows, doc workers or whatever it is, you know, teachers, lawyers, doctors, politicians, clearly. They're not under rocks. These people are out in the open. They're under your roof. They're living with you. <laughs> so this idea that, you know, oh, man, the racism, man, I don't know. Where does it come from? I just, you know, it. I don't know. It comes from under the rocks. These people just, where did they come from? Ah. That's bullshit. It's it's tr- it's trying to make you feel better. Like, oh man, like England, we don't have that problem. These people are just, you know, they're one offs and they they're not representative of anybody except themselves. And like, no, 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 no. People are really happy to have conversations about racism in theoretical realms. You create a boogeyman who lives under a rock, who has an anonymous Instagram or Twitter account, and he's some under the rock racist person who just comes up like a troll and then goes back down. That's the theoretical side of racism, just the straw man that's easy to to chop down. But when it comes to the actual practice of the person who's beating up a black person because Rashford missed a penalty is actually my brother or my cousin or my uncle or my father. I need to talk to him about why do you feel this way about black people? Why don't you like black people? When it comes to having that conversation, that isn't as easy as, 
wait, 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 wait. You still want to have the conversation of no, no, no. It's about it's 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 not my conversation to have. I don't care if your father's racist. I expect your father to be racist. It's not about me. I'm talking about the everyday English person. This is a this isn't work for black people, bro. This isn't work for you and me. Oh, this is so for oh, this oh, is oh, for oh, white people to have this conversation with oh, themselves. So if they the don't have it, then that's not my problem. Talk? My problem is gaining power, right? Recommend, but say, if 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 Boris Johnson and all these people, if they want to be out on Front Street talking about racism under rocks, that no, I will help you in framing the conversation that you need to have with your community, and that is don't talk about the racist people under rocks because you feel like those are just one-off people that don't really exist except on the internet, which is why online racism has become such this thing that they want to use in all these quotes. Oh, online racism, and how do we get the people on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook? How do we get those people? Ah. ah. How do we get the judge? How do we get the police officers? How do we get the politicians? How do we get the lawyers and the doctors and the people who don't give you medicine and shit? How do we get those people? If, if you want to have the conversation, England, about who's under rocks and whatnot, there's nobody under rocks. So my thing is, it's easy to talk about the theoretical rock man who's just racist, but when it happens to be your dad or your mom or any family member or just a friend, Random English person listening to the Talking Texas podcast. <laughs> that's not the, that's 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 not theoretical anymore. That's now practice. No, 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 look, look, look. The, the and reality. England is and England does not. I, I put the tweet. England does not equip its society to deal with those conversations. You don't know what to say to the racist part. You just let them do it because you know them, and that's that's the problem. No, basically, the core is this. This is the the, the core. England is a very old country, and it's a country that's had massive, massive influence on the world, huge influence on the world. Mm-hmm. When you are aware that you've had such massive influence in the world, you're, you're arrogant. Like, when you know that, if you're, let's look at the playground, if you're a kid, you know that you're popular, people are influenced by you, people hang on you every word, you're just naturally arrogant. That's just human nature. So for English people, there is a sense of arrogance that's just inbuilt into them. So there is a sense and a feeling of entitlement, you know? So I get it. If it and, and so that entitlement and that arrogance and that history mm-hmm. that people adore and the world adores, they're very protective of. So I don't want a black guy now representative of this very specific white historical thing, royal thing that people um, love so, so much. So do you think that's once, true? It's, it's like once you understand that, like once you understand that, then you know that's okay. You're dealing with something on a whole different level. So beyond just like having a conversation and so forth, no, there's no conversation to be had. You're dealing with royalty. You're dealing with history. You're dealing with tradition. You're dealing with hundreds upon hundreds of years of culture. There's no conversation to be had. It is what it is. Okay, so hence why I say, like, for guys like Ian Wright and so forth, I generally feel sorry for you. I generally feel like I'm, I just feel sorry because, like, I will never – I just feel sorry for, like, when I just see it, I just feel sad. I feel sorry for you because I'm like, this – I just feel sad because you – you are fighting for something that will never 
ever accept you. And you're 40, and these guys are laughing at you and calling you a monkey behind your back when you're not listening. You know, so for the end rights, for the real fairness and so forth, I genuinely feel sorry for you. Because like, I don't know what else you can do because obviously I'm a guy that's, obviously I was born here, but I grew up in Nigeria. So I have more cultural connections to it. But for somebody who was born here and grew up here, Man, I'm sorry. Like, I mean, that's 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 a that, that's a tough one. <laughs> but that's a tough nobody, one, bro. no black so, person from England doesn't know where they're from. Who are these wait, black people in England wait, that are like wait, wait, indigenous? Wait, wait, that, that, like, that doesn't mean anything. If you were no, born no, 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 here, no, no, like it, you, if, wait, wait, if you were born here, there's a difference and, between and rejecting your here. culture and ex- and accepting English culture. If you were born here and you grew up here, and you're still not English. If you were born, let me let me so let me land. If you were born here mm-hmm. and you grew up here, yeah, and you how you act, the jokes you crack, how you talk, how everything is all to do with England. Who cares whether you can trace your thing back to the West Indies, Jamaica, or so forth? In your mind, you're English. <laughs> Have you so seen the videos home. of like cats that like grow up with dogs? Look, what's what's talking about him? Wait, why why are you no, bringing up events here? Man? No, no, but I'm I'm trying to give like a visual. So there are these people that like they'll have like you know five or six dogs, and just somebody will want a cat. So then the cat will grow up with the dog, and it will like you know, and it, I, it was a cat with a bunch of pit bulls. That that was the video that I saw. <laughs> so you have a little kitten, and he grows up with a bunch of pit bull puppies. He he has the same mannerisms as a puppy. But the cat is still a cat. You are what you are. Sense, bro. No, it's like you 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 could grow up in something, and you could believe that you are something. But just because you believe it doesn't make it true. Have you have you have you heard the saying? You're merely a product of your environment. Have you heard that saying? Yes. So there, were, I remember I was watching a program. Now this white guy they were interviewing mm-hmm. on this program. And this guy, he talks like a black guy, more like a black guy and everything. And the guy asked, that's why. So why do you talk and act like this? And the guy said, I'm merely a product of my environment. I grew up around black people. I mean, I remember, yes, yes, I do have white skin and so forth. But for most of my life, I've lived, grew up, hung out, broken bread, had friends with black people. So I act this way. So even if you may be ethnically Jamaican and so forth. If you've, you grew up in Camden, you were born in Camden, you grew up in Camden, you went to school in, in Camden, all of your friends are in the Camden borough and so forth. That is God's way going to be. Obviously, it will be, obviously be a mix of West Indian and Jamaican based off your parents who obviously have lived there. But for you, you're, hence why when, if you're Saka, you choose to play for England because you feel more English than you do Nigerian. Same thing with Tammy. So it's like, it is what it is. It's it's based on where do you feel more come and how and how you are as a person, which culture does it align with? And for my guys, we say, oh, it's it's English. That's an individual pursuit. Saka thinks, I feel like this. Or Abraham feels, I feel like this. But what does the society say that you are? What we think about ourselves as individuals is fine. Well, that's but, that's not, but that's not real. 
Well, this whole conversation is about the individual. Forget the society. That we already it's, know what. No, it's not about is. the individual. It, it's never about no, 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 the no. individual. Oh, we already know what the society thinks. That's a moot point. We already know what the society thinks. But this whole thing is about it's the individual who I know what the society thinks, but I was born here, I grew up here, boom. Now you can't just force me to be Jamaican or force me to win continue when like I've never been there. That's no, but have hope. That's not the point. If if you grow up in England and you grow up with English values or what they perceive to be values, then surely you know what you are. <laughs> what are you wait, wait, what are you talking about? Let me ask the, you a question. I, what when did you realize that you weren't really English? To answer that, you've hence why in the video that I made, there's a thing called the crossroads. And the crossroads is there's a, there's a decision you have to be made. And people at the crossroads, they either go left or they go right. So some people be like, okay, you now face racism and get told that you don't really belong here. Some people be like, mm, it's just a minority. I'm going to rise above that. So that's as your in rights, your make riches, your, and some guys that I know, Nigerians were like, you know what? That's just a minority. I'm going to rise up above that. So you take the crossroads to, to, to the left. Guys like me are like, oh, I'm not part of your culture. This something. I take the road to the right, which is so obviously I can't speak English. So there are people who, no matter what, I'm going to assimilate. And I'm just going to just ignore these guys who don't want me to assimilate and just focus on the guys who want to welcome me in. I can live with the neg neg negativity based on me wanting to assimilate. But then guys like me who are like, nah, I don't feel the need to assimilate. So there's a so there's a crossroads. Some people go left, some people go right. But there so, is a crossroad. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And but and but the, but the the point we're making is those that guys if, have, that's choose that's choose that's choose left. That's your choice, but the society does make you choose. Do you no, go left or do you go right? There is no no, right. no, no, no. Do you walk backwards or do you walk side? Like the society gives people black people a choice. Yeah. Do you, do you want to go left or right? Yeah. Now maybe you could talk about the individual decision why you do what you do and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But the structure is set up before you're born. And if everybody knows that you eventually have to make the choice, it is what it is. So, but, but it goes back to the point of, I feel sorry for those guys that choose to, to go left. For guys who could do left, I feel sorry for you. So, I, I like that you made that going that way left. <laughs> I can make the argument that going your way is going left. You know what you're signing up for. Or at least, and if you don't, you should. And perhaps, you know, you're asking a 17, 18-year-old, 19-year-old to make a decision that they haven't, or that they don't have the capability of fully fleshing out. You know, you ask 17-year-old Daniel, who you play for? I'll probably play for Canada. You ask 23-year-old Daniel, who you plays for? I'm playing for Uganda. So what happens in those six years, I don't know. But that's me going to university, learning about myself, learning more about society. But, you know, maybe a footballer is just happy to with his friends that he's known his whole life that's fair but don't let the adulation trick you which is i guess why you say it's almost a blessing in disguise that the people who missed missed because now it's obvious it's out there but once you play one game i don't or is it two games now you can't take it back the decision is the decision so you gotta live with it actually i don't want to leave it i don't want to leave it there because it does make it seem like if racism is going to be racism no matter what and you sign up for it, then that kind of makes it. I don't. I don't want to make it seem like, oh, just you know, you did it to yourself. Like no, <laughs> like those people should just be better human beings and leave you to alone.
anything oh you want to do like best very quickly so one word answers your best player from the tournament Chiesa Donnarumma worst player at the tournament Carrasco Mbappe best game Italy Belgium let me go Netherlands Ukraine best goal best goal uh Modric Ooh. You know what? I agree with you. I agree with you. Modric, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you had to encapsulate the tournament, what would you say about it? Very good. Very good. I mean, I think 2014 World Cup still holds the crown, but very, I mean, very good Euros. Really, really good Euros. I just think that's, it's maybe, like, I think it didn't have the kind of crescendo that's going to have for it to be like an all-timer, but overall, like, let me put it in top three, top four tournaments that I've seen. Oh, so you think it's going to age well? Like, people are going to remember? Oh, I mean, yeah. I think based on just the amount of stuff that happened, the shock to France, the goals that were scored, how easily played, the whole England run and everything, the Ericsson thing, obviously. Like, yeah, I don't know. It will be remembered. It was fine. It was okay. Like, again, going from last week's conversation, man, I'm kind of I'm footballed out right now. I think I need, like, this month off, by the way. Griezmann to Chelsea, Haaland. There's some other transfer stuff that's going on. Mm. We'll be back next Tuesday with uh, what has gone on in club football for the past month that nobody's paid attention to. So that'll be that that episode. But yeah, this has been Talking Texas. We thank you guys for joining us throughout the Euros. Again, these have been kind of random recordings, but um, you know we recorded them when we could. So there you guys go. Congratulations to Italy. Condolences to England. And, yeah, we will see you guys for the next international tournament in January, I guess. We'll do, yeah, we'll, we'll do a few AFCON things, and then we'll get ready for the for the World Cup. See you guys in 2022, but really we'll see you next week. Talk Attack this podcast, sometimes funny, sometimes serious. Always for more. Indeed. Peace, peace, peace. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.